where the streams of abundance flow. Blessed be your name. Blessed be your name. When I'm found in the desert place, though I walk through the wilderness, blessed be your name. Every blessing we pour out, I'll turn back to praise. When the darkness closes in love, still I will say, Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be your name. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be your glorious name. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be your name. Blessed be your name of the Lord. Blessed be your glorious name. Blessed be your name in the land that is plentiful, when streams of abundance flow. Blessed be your name. Blessed be your name when I'm found in a desert place, when I walk through the wilderness. Blessed be your name. Every blessing you Pour out, I'll turn back to pray. When the darkness closes in love, still I will say, Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be your name. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be your glorious name. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be your name. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be your glorious name. You give and take away. You give and take away. My heart will choose to say, Oh, blessed be your name. You give and take away. Give and take away, my heart will choose to say, Oh, blessed be your name, blessed be the name of the Lord, blessed be your name, blessed be the name of the Lord, blessed be your glorious name, blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be your name, blessed be the name of the Lord, blessed be your glorious name. You give and take away, you give and take away, my heart will choose to say, oh blessed be your name, you give and take away. Give and take away, my heart will choose to say, oh, blessed be your name, blessed be the name of the Lord, blessed be your name, blessed be the name of the Lord, blessed be your glorious name. 
you, Lord. Oh, blessed be your name, Lord.
said, Lord bless you, you may be seated. Welcome to the house of the Lord, name above all names. So if there was a name that had you tossing and turning last night, I want you to know the name of Jesus is mightier than that name, amen? Praise the Lord. Well, children, you are dismissed to children's church, amen? Praise the Lord. Try to seek out a pastor who's preaching. I know that trick. They, they try. <laughs> Amen. Praise the Lord. If you have your Bibles, would you go to Daniel, the third chapter, please? Daniel, chapter three. Now, some of you that grew up in Sunday school, you're ahead of me already. Amen. But you got to calm yourself as we got to work up to that fourth man. So we're not quite there yet. Amen. Praise the Lord. God is so good. Amen. Thank everyone that came out to James's um, graduation thing last night. Thank you so much for your love and support and your prayers. So appreciate that, and I know he does. And as we continue in our New Year's theme, last week we talked about passing the test because you're going to be tested. God tests his people, amen? And we looked at Abraham, the father of the faithful, and the Bible said God tested him, but he passed the test. And we can learn from Abraham's life some keys and how we can pass the tests that, you know, are thrown at us. Because all of us face tests. Our faith will get tested. Devotion gets tested. We're, we're with that theme. We're following that theme as we're heading into the new year. And we want to talk about a fiery furnace that meets a fiery faith. So if you have your Bibles, Daniel chapter number 3. I'm going to start with verse 8. And we'll read about a portion of the story now and then in about 30 minutes. We'll read the next portion. But the Bible says, at this time, some astrologers came forward and denounced the Jews. They said, King Nebuchadnezzar, may the king live forever. Your majesty has issued a decree that everyone who hears the sound of the horn, the flute, the zither, the lyre, the harp, the pipe, all kinds of music must fall down and worship the image of gold. And whoever does not fall down and worship will be thrown into a blazing furnace. But there's some Jews whom you have set over the affairs of the providence of Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who pay no attention to you, your majesty. They neither serve your gods nor worship the image of gold that you have set up. Verse 13, furious with rage, Nebuchadnezzar summoned Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So these men were brought before the king, and Nebuchadnezzar said to them, Is it true? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods or worship the image of gold that I have set up. Now, when you hear the sound of the horn, the flute, the zither, the lair, the harp, the pipe, all kinds of music, if you are ready to fall down and worship the image I made, very good. But if you do not worship it, you will be thrown immediately into a blazing furnace, and then what God will be able to rescue you from my hand? Hmm. Verses 16, 17, and 18. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to him, King Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. Now, if we're thrown 
into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to deliver us from it. And he will deliver us from your hand. But even if he does not, whew, give us some more. But even if he does not, we want you to know, your majesty, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold that you have set up. Ooh, a fiery furnace meets a fiery faith. Father, we thank you for your word and we thank you for this great illustration, example of faith in the trying times. Let it inspire us. Let it move us. Let it challenge us as it was intended to do. In Jesus' name and all God's people said, Today we'll meet three young men who refuse to compromise their beliefs and a God who refused to compromise his commitment to his faithful ones. God treats the faithful different than he does the, the backslider and the lukewarm. How many know that? Well, if you don't, you need to do a Bible study. The Bible says in Second Samuel to the faithful, he shows himself faithful, not the fly by night. Psalm 31, the Lord preserves the faithful. Psalm 37, the Lord will not forsake his faithful ones. Psalm 97, he guards the lives of his faithful ones. Daniel 3 portrays the supernatural power of God to deliver the righteous, the faithful, in the day of their trouble. Our topic, faith in the fiery trial. See, false faith will wither in times of trial, but true faith, True faith knows how to take God at his word and put their trust and confidence in God's ability to keep us. True faith takes deeper root, grows and brings glory to God. And we must understand, and it's just a fact here from the very beginning, one of life's inescapable facts, true Christianity, your Christianity, my Christianity will be tried. A person who's going to heaven will face some opposition along the way. Life has its fiery furnaces, and this world is full of Nebuchadnezzars. And your devotion to Christ will be tested. Your godly conviction will be tried. There's a fiery furnace in all of our futures. Trials of many kinds. There are temptations that want to shipwreck our faith and knock us off our course and set us back in our, our love for God and our pursuit of holiness for God. And, and we must choose. To stand for what is right. We must choose to stand for what's of the Lord. For what's clearly defined in his word. Even in an age where there's so much bowing. Even in an age where it seems like bowing is acceptable. To the morally convenient or popular. Now we want to begin. Let's just stress two quick points that we can look and see in this story. And then we'll move on from there. But two quick points we glean from this story. Number one, there is a fiery furnace in all our futures. Jesus said, in this world, you shall have trouble. You're going to have some fiery furnaces if you're trying to live godly in an ungodly world. That's just the way it is. Come on, say amen. Again, it could be a furnace of affliction, physically or emotionally. It might be an attack on your family or an attack on your finances. Some are forced to um, endure a betrayal or an abandonment. And at times, if you know the story, at times it can even seem like that furnace of opposition is heated seven times hotter when you try to live for Jesus. 
But we learn from this story. One point that you just gleaned from the story, we learn from this story that we're never alone if we're his faithful ones. If we're putting first the kingdom and we're sincere and serious in our love and devotion to the Lord Jesus, we're never alone in these things. He's there. He is there. That's the Christian's comfort. That's the believer's strength that keeps us going through the trials, that lifts us up when life seems to knock us down. The fact that we know Christ is with us. Friend, Christ is with you. It matters not what you're facing. It matters not what the doctor's report is. The fact is this. If you're a faithful one, he is faithful to you. He's watching over you, and he's going with you through every trial, through every storm, through every challenge of your faith. Someone remember, you're not alone. He's there, he's with you, and he won't let you go. Secondly, we see in this story very clearly that even as the pressure to conform to the culture becomes stronger, and it has, even as it becomes more aggressive, and many have fallen along the wayside, don't you ever forget It is possible to live straight in a crooked world. It is possible to live pure in an impure world. It is possible to live without compromise and to remain true to Jesus Christ. Don't let anyone tell you otherwise. Don't let the backslider lie to you. Don't let that lukewarm family member try to deceive you. You can live this life if you want to live it. And whoever's not living it is because you really don't want to. Somebody say amen. Either that or that Bible's not true. You either throw out that Bible or accept the fact you can live it if you want to live it. Dr. Stephen Olford, he's with the Lord now, but what a, what a brilliant preacher in his day. And just his mind was so sharp. And he was asked one time after 50, 60 years in ministry, Dr. Olford, what's the greatest truth God ever taught you? And he said, so many precious things that the Lord has shown me through the years, but this one is most precious. I learned that there is no demand made upon my life that isn't also a demand on the life of Christ in me. I say that again. I want you to take this to heart. There is no demand, no trial, no temptation, no, no attack from the, there is no demand made upon my life that isn't also a demand on the life of Christ in me. How did Paul say it? It's no longer I that liveth, but Christ that liveth in me. The truth is that Jesus is alive, that Jesus has made himself available, and that the Christ in us is completely adequate to meet any battle, to take on any challenge, and to endure any contest. Can you say amen? I want someone to know you got it, you got it, you got it. The devil says you're going weak. The devil says it's time to give up. The devil is a liar. Greater is he that's within you than he that's in the world. You can make it. You can make it. Keep walking with the Lord. Keep trusting his word. Keep relying on his care. He won't fail you and he won't forsake you. Somebody, you've gone too far to turn back now. It's not time to quit. It's time to rise up and trust God and Walk on, somebody say amen. Hallelujah. Oh, Lord. Let's walk through this. These three great Hebrews. Number one, true faith responds to the challenge. True faith. 
Maybe we'll expose some false faith and get some true faith. Amen? True faith refuses to bow. Too much bowing. No more bowing. And I needed another R, so true faith rattles the enemy. Because in the end, old Nebuchadnezzar, he's scratching his head saying, I thought we threw in three, I'm counting four, four, three, two, one, two, three, four, one. Oh, my Lord, rattles the enemy. Number one, true faith responds to the challenge. Responds to the challenge. <laughs> I had a mentor, and he used to always say, if you're a sissy, go serve the devil. God's looking for men and women that are not afraid to get in the battle. <laughs> he just shoot it straight and let it stand. But I, true faith responds to the challenge. King Nebuchadnezzar was the ruler of Babylon. He commanded the most powerful army on the face of the earth. He had conquered Israel, if you know the story. And he took back thousands of Jewish captives to serve the state. They would take back, remember the Daniel story. They would take back the, the of nobility, the bright ones and the healthy ones and the sharp ones. And they would train them to rule in his empire. He was smart. He wasn't going to kill all the, the talented ones. He would use them for his own kingdom. And so again, among them, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They were made governors over different provinces in Babylon. Well, one day, Nebuchadnezzar had a bright idea. <laughs> he erected a 90-foot-tall, gold-covered statue on the plains of Dura outside the city, and he commanded all the leaders in the government, all the citizens in the area, that they were to bow and worship the image when the royal musicians played. Now, those who refused to be burned alive, it was that simple. But these men stood while thousands bowed. Just three men in that great crowd who chose to stand tall when everyone else was bowing low. You can choose to stand tall even when everyone else is bowing low. The peer pressure, you had to hear it, right? You could hear, hey, get that get down. Everybody else is. Didn't you hear the music? Get down. It's not worth it. You know, you can listen to the voice of the compromisers. Or you can listen to the voice of Christ. But you can't listen to both. You got to make a choice. These were men that, how did the one writer say they were made of the right stuff? They chose the choice of righteousness. They took the righteous stand regardless of what the repercussions would be. They wouldn't bow to the pressure. They wouldn't deny their faith. And they wouldn't disappoint their God. I said as we were singing that beautiful song, Great is Thy Faithfulness, and that's got to be one of our favorite hymns. Uh, it just speaks, all of us can testify. And as we were singing that song, it came on my heart, Oh God, how you've been so faithful. You know, you start choking back them tears when you start thinking how, how what God's done in your life if you've walked with them for more than a day and a half. And oh, how faithful. And it dawned, Lord, I want to be found faithful to you. You've always been faithful to me. I said, Lord, I want to be, I want you to look at me and say, he's been faithful. How about that? These men were faithful. And God's looking for more. They had a faith that could be tested and a faith that could be tried. They had a faith that was proven genuine. It was witnessed by men. It was applauded by heaven. God give us more. True faith responds to the challenge. Look at three sub points underneath their thought. Number one, these men had a conviction of purpose. 
You know, there's an old saying, if you stand, stand for something or you'll fall for anything. These men had, number one, a conviction of purpose. Their lives were about something. They stood for something. They were committed to someone. They didn't just flow around with the cultural current. I pray that our lives and commitment to the Lord Jesus Christ will be something that we're bold in and not ashamed of. I pray that our love and our service to God, that we would stand for Christ and we would live the way he's called us to live. And there would be something moving in our, we're not just here playing religion, but we've met Jesus Christ. We love the Lord. We're bold in that. We stand for something. We're living for something. Our lives are about something. We're not just playing religious games because we live in a religious culture. We've met the living Christ and we're serving him and we let the world know we love this Jesus. We're serving this Jesus. And if it costs us friendship, so be it. If it costs us finances, so be it. We have met him who is altogether lovely. And we're not ashamed of it. We're living for something. Somebody say amen. A conviction of purpose. These were men of integrity. They were exactly the same regardless of their circumstances. They weren't chameleons. Some can sing amazing grace and be just at home at the crystal pistol pulling up their Budweiser. They're chameleons. God says, come out from among them. And be what? Be what? Just on Sunday. Say amen, say ouch. When things were going well, you know what? They were determined to obey God. And now things were not so well. They were determined to obey and serve the living God. These were men whose conviction held firm and their resolve was unchanging. The climate, the setting, the company did not control their convictions. I want to ask you that. Are your convictions controlled by the setting and the company that you keep? Do you have a certain convictions for when you're around church folks and a certain uh, changes when you're around work folk and changes when you're around the buddy boys? We're trying to say, is there a real Christian in the house this morning? It's a song that says, as for me and my house, we're serving the Lord. We're going to serve him at work. We're going to serve him at our friends. We're going to serve him at the YMCA. We're going to serve him because we love him and we're not ashamed of him. Anybody out there? Hallelujah. These were men who lived out the words spoken so long ago by Joshua. As for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. Others might do this, others might do that. We're going to serve God and we're going to serve him unashamedly. They had a conviction, a purpose, and they had a courageous behavior. Obviously a courageous behavior. You know, it takes courage to live this Christian life. Courage to continue. Courage to meet the challenge. Courage to, to obey when it's costly. Courage to say no and then stand the repercussions of right living. Friends might leave you. Family might reject you. Boss might be unfair to you. Your flesh cries out, satisfy me. I've met people that 
Their family said to them, I went to school with them, they said, we liked you better when you were on drugs than when you met Christ. We met some that their wives walked out on them after they were saved for a little less than a year. That's not the one I married. Don't want a Christian. I'm telling you, it'll cost you something if you're a true believer. So if you have something in the idea that you can do both, I want to set it. Go home, go away, just go sin, get out. Because if not, you're just deceiving yourself. But if you're going to serve the Lord, then by all means, serve the Lord. If you're going to be a Christian, then be a Christian. And if you're going to be a Christian, it's going to take some courageous behavior. It takes courage to say no. It takes courage to say yes to some things. It takes courage to follow God's leading. It takes courage when obedience stretches us and demands of us. When it's daring, when it's misunderstood. It takes courage to get out of the boat when you hear them call and others are sitting. It takes courage to face the Goliath when everyone's intimidated, but someone's got to stand up and address the giant. Someone has to have a bold, courageous faith that'll do something. It takes courage to give the last you have when God says give it and trust God to make a way. Oh, somebody say amen. True faith responds to the challenge, talking about true faith. These men had a conviction of purpose. They were about something. These men had a courageous behavior. Even in the face of the king himself, they stood courageous and said, no, we won't bow to your idols. We serve the true and living God. These men knew full well the power and cruelty of Nebuchadnezzar. He was a despot. He was a tyrant. <laughs> to oppose him in any matter, great or small, was taking your life into your hands. But they knew that there was only one true sovereign that man should fear. Not the one that sat on a throne in Babylon, but the one that sits in the heavens and rules over all thrones forever and forever. Amen. These men had a conviction of purpose and a courageous behavior, and they had a confession of faith. It was a confession that expressed their loyalty, their allegiance, and their devotion to the God they served. These men had publicly committed their lives to the true and living God. They held a deep, rooted, and settled commitment that they were unwilling to recant in the face even of life. You know, from childhood, the faithful Jewish, they were taught to recite and confess the Shema, Deuteronomy 6, 4 and 5, that Jewish confession of faith. Hear, O Israel... The Lord our God, the Lord is one. There's not a hundred gods, there's one God. There's not a hundred ways to heaven, there's one way. And we're to love the Lord our God with all our heart, with all our soul, and with all our strength. And they made this confession the center of their lives. They didn't just say it, they lived it. For them, the will and the glory of God meant more than position, Popularity, acceptance, temporal security, fleshly satisfaction, and in this case, personal safety. Number one, true faith responds to the challenge. Now let me ask you, have you ever held firm to your convictions, done what is right, only to have your problems heat up instead of cool down? A couple times, amen? Well, so listen, true faith will be tested. But 
If you're tempted to compromise, don't you ever forget. Compromise will cost you. It'll cost you now. It'll cost you much more later. You know, there's an old Russian parable. goes something like this. Dealing with the, the, the danger of compromise. Russian parable tells of a hunter who raised his rifle, as the story goes, and took careful aim on a large black bear. When he's about to pull the trigger, the bear spoke in a soft, soothing voice. Isn't it better to talk than to shoot? Now, now, what, what is it that you want? Let's try to negotiate in this matter. Lowering his rifle, the hunter said, well, I want a fur coat. And the bear said, good, that's good. Let's ne- that's, that's a question we can negotiate. I only want a full stomach. So let's negotiate a compromise. Well, they sat down and they negotiated. Well, after some time, the bear walked away alone. The negotiations had been successful. The bear had a full stomach and the hunter had on a fur coat. Watch what you compromise with. It'll cost you. It'll cost you. It'll cost you. These three men could have compromised. Someone get it tomorrow. So these three men could have compromised. They could have said, well, you know, God wants us to use wisdom. Well, you know, no one else will see it and we'll just go around the crowd. No one will tell. But they decided to respond to the challenge. And instead of compromising, we see that number two, true faith refuses to bow. The flesh says, bow and indulge me. The world says, bow and follow me. The enemy says, bow and forsake Forsake the Lord. There is an opportunity to bow as we try to walk with Christ. The king gives them another chance. The, the world never gives up totally. Always there. And if the enemy can't overwhelm you as a roaring lion, he'll try to get you as a deceptive serpent. But he will try over and over. King gives him another chance. He's filled with rage because these three men had dared to defy his decree. And he questions them. And he gives them one more chance and the king demands them to bow. And now here it is. What would they say? How would they react? They could feel the heat. They could see the king's rage and anger. They can hear his threats. And then these three Hebrews answer the king. And their answer has gone down in history as classic as their deliverance is going to be in a little while. I want you to focus Verse 16, verse 17, and verse 18. Because this is one of the greatest examples of true faith in the entirety of the word of God. Let's break it down. Let's break it down. In their answer, number one, we see in verse 16, the admission of guilty. The admission of guilt. Verse 16, they simply said, now, king, we don't need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. King, there's no defense that has to be made. We're guilty as charged. You heard right. We're not bound to idols. We're not taking that drink. We're not listening to that junk anymore. We've come out from that. We're serving the Lord. And if it doesn't please Jesus, we're not living it. If it's not glorifying to God, it's not coming in the door. Come on. Say guilty. Time to let that world know we are guilty of some things. 
They said we didn't bow yesterday. We're not bowing today. Guilty is charged. That's right. We are children of God. And we're not ashamed, if I can bring it down to the now, we're not ashamed to say we love Jesus. We live by the book and him only shall we serve. Guilty is charged. It's about time the church rises up and let the world around you know you are guilty of a few things. We're guilty of some things, but we're standing for some things. We believe some things. We're living for someone. We're guilty as charged concerning salvation. We are guilty as charged. We believe there's only one way to heaven, and that's through Jesus Christ. There's not a million ways, and you can't get there on your good looks or on your good deeds. We believe according to salvation, Jesus saves, and only Jesus saves. And only faith in his shed blood on that cross will save you. We believe guilty as charged that salvation comes through Christ and Christ alone. We believe and we are convinced and we are guilty as charged that the scripture, the word of God is more than a philosophy, more than just a religious book. It's God's word to man to govern us, to guide us, to rule us and to reveal himself to us. Guilty as charged concerning salvation in scripture. We we are guilty concerning the sacredness of marriage. We believe the Creator has said, one man and one woman, death do you part. Come on, say amen. We believe the sacredness of marriage as the Word of God has decreed and explained it. We believe and we are guilty that we believe in salvation through the blood of Jesus, that the Scripture is the Word of God, is God's Word, not man's. We believe and are guilty in the sacredness of marriage. We believe and are guilty of the second coming of Jesus Christ. We believe Jesus is coming again. And I will be accountable. And you will be accountable in how you've lived this life. And what you've done with the call of God. And the word of God. And the gospel of God. Somebody say amen. Guilty as charged. It's about time we stop being chameleons and ashamed of this thing. And say I am guilty. I'm living for someone. I believe something. And I'm about something. Come on, say amen. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Oh, help us, Lord. Hallelujah. Glory. 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 Guilty is charged. Guilty is charged. That's not popular. Guilty is charged. People won't like it. Guilty is charged. Guilty is charged. I'm guilty of loving Jesus. I'm guilty of doing my best to serve him and honor him. I'm guilty of believing that Bible is God's word and I'm going to live by it the best I can. I'm guilty. Amen. I'm guilty. Yeah, I am guilty. And I'm not ashamed. Could care less of some backslidden whoever thinks. I'm going to fear God. I'm going to love God. I'm going to seek God's favor. Guilty as charged. Reminds me of a story. I don't have enough time to tell all the story. But there's part of, there's a line in the story that does apply to this. Brother Shambach got arrested years ago in a little town called Far, Texas, down on the Mexican border. Kind of wondered why God was sending him there. Just a small town and he had a big tent. But he says, you know, when God says go, you go. Amen. He got there and they had all the paperwork signed, all the proper letters. You know, the government said you could sign all the permits all signed. First night he got there and they set up that big gospel tent. Seating thousands, there couldn't have been more than 50, 60 people under that tent. And again, you wouldn't normally go to such a small place. The first night he gets there, and the mayor shows up. 
So, ooh, the mayor, maybe they're going to give me the key to the city. Amen. All them big shots, Billy Graham, they're all getting the key to this. Now I'm going to get the key to the city. Mayor showed up. This is no, this is no official visit. This is a visit to say, you got to shut this thing down. What do you mean shut it down? I got the permit. I don't care what you got. We don't believe in this. Now they found out what it was. He goes, oh, he goes, if you preach, I'll arrest you. Brother Shamble, you do what you got to do, I'll do what I got to do. And it's a long story. I wish if he could tell it. it. I can't do it justice. But that first night, he got arrested a lot of nights. And every night he got arrested. Remember, it's a small place, so they didn't put a lot of money in the budget. So every night they got free, free, free advertisement. Eyewitness news. Crazy preacher getting arrested. Amen. So the crowd started growing night after night. After three nights, oh, go ahead, devil, arrest me again. This is great. We started with 50. We got about, you know, 2,000 coming out now after three nights of all this free advertisement. Amen. By the fourth night, all right, devil, lay off. We got enough a crowd. I don't need to be arrested. But anyhow, that first night, they brought him before the judge. It was a woman judge. And if he was telling the story, he'd say, it's always a woman. <laughs> always a woman. He got, and, and she said, how do you plead? What's the charge? She says, preaching the gospel with a loudspeaker. He stopped. He goes, my Lord, I'm guilty as charged. I said, I am guilty. I said, your honor, your ma'am, guilty. He said, I kind of felt good. But he goes, I know some preachers, they'd be found innocent. They're not preaching no gospel. I think it's about time the church says we are guilty as charged. We're guilty as charged. We believe one man and one woman. We're guilty as charged. Amen. We believe the Bible is, we believe Jesus is Savior. He's the only name under heaven given to men whereby we must be saved. We are guilty as charged. Come on, say amen. And I want someone to know Jesus is coming back and you will meet him one day. I don't care if you live to be 205. The day will come, your heart will stop beating and you will stand before a holy God and you will give an account for how you lived your life. And on that day, you will not be able to say, well, grandma was a good Christian. God bless grandma, but grandma can't get you saved. On that day, you will not be able to say, well, oh, you know, I went to Sunday school, um, you know, when I was five, lived for hell the next 75 years. No, no, no. By the time we start saying we're guilty of a few things, and that's a good thing. Because I don't want to be found innocent when it comes to some things. Hallelujah. You'll go ahead and tell your neighbor, I'm guilty as charged. Guilty as charged. Go ahead. Guilty as charged. Yeah. Guilty as charged. Hallelujah. Guilty. We love the Lord. And we strive to please him and honor him and do his will. Hallelujah. We see in this breakdown their admission of guilty. They said, King, we don't have to explain it. There's no sense in you giving us more time to think about it. We made up our mind a long time ago. We're serving God. We're not bowing to false idols. You know, that's the key. We try to teach our kids. Don't wait for the hour of temptation to make up your mind of how you're going to live and how you stand. Make up your mind now what you're going to do out there. You'll bow, you'll bow every time if you don't make up your mind. Their admission of guilty. But secondly, verse 17, their affirmation of faith in God's ability to deliver them. Look at how they said it. It said, listen, 17, King, if we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to deliver us from it, and he will deliver us from your hand. Either way, we're getting out of your clutches. They knew that their God was sovereign. Verse 17, the God we serve 
is able. Man, that's faith in the furnace. Child of God, those who truly love the Lord this morning, let there be no doubt your God is able, your God is able, your God is able to see you through. Whatever you're facing, he's able to keep you, he's able to hold you, he's able to comfort you, he's able to counsel you. He's able to stand by your side when others bail on you. He's able to give you grace and strength that you don't have on your own. Your God is able. Your God is able. There is no need to give up. There is no need to break down. There is no need to run away. Your God is able. As we sang this morning, He's mighty to save. He's mighty to heal. And He's mighty to bring His people through. Oh, glory be to God. Let the heaven shout and let demons tremble before. Your God is able. There's no need to fear. There's no need to back down. You serve the true and living God. Jesus said all power and authority in heaven and in earth has been given unto me. And he said I'll never leave you and I'll never forsake you. Child of God, lift up your head. Get those shoulders back. Walk with the confidence in this world. You are not alone. You walk with the Lord. You are a son and daughter of the living God. And your God is able. He that began that good work, he will come. Completed, and that means you. Can you say amen? amen. Whew. They admitted their guilt. They affirmed their faith in God's ability. My God is able. I'm not that able, but he's real able. I don't have a lot of answers. He got all the answers. We're going to make it, keep it simple. I'm going to trust He's going to take good care of me. I'm going to cast the burden. He's going to carry the burden. Amen. Uh, I'm, I'm not, you know, I, I don't, I, I can confess it. I, I don't got it all together, but he's got everything. Amen. I can't figure it all out, but I just lean on him and he takes me through. That's all right. True faith refuses to bow. And we admit we're guilty of loving the Lord and of serving him faithfully and obediently, doing our best to please the Lord Jesus. And to live the way he wants us to live. Whether that's popular or applauded or not. We also recognize that our God is able. And we declare that. He's able to take us through it. He's able to take us out of it. Our God is able. In verse 18, they admit submission to the will of God. Wow. Again, faith in the furnace. This is powerful. Verse 18, this is what God's looking for in all of us. But even if he doesn't, whew, we separate the men from the boys right here. Isn't that right? Some will serve God as long as he's their bellhop. As soon as they got to sacrifice or suffer, well, well, so much for that faith. That, that's not real. No, 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 that's not real. Are you with me? Woo! But even if he does not, we want you to know, O king, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold that you have set up. Wow. Wow. Even if we lose the job, lose the friend, lose the marriage, lose it all, we are going to keep serving Jesus. We are going to keep our faith and obedience in the Lord. I know that's not popular in this this seeker-driven watered down friendly age but it is Bible I assure you it is clear Bible I assure you but even if he doesn't we're not bowing wow I want you to know that's the kind of Christian God's looking for today 
True faith refuses to bow. These men had taken their stand and heaven took notice. Let's read quickly the tail end of the story here. And then we'll wind it down. Look at verse 19. Nebuchadnezzar is furious. These dictators don't like to be told no. He was furious with Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, Zeno. And his attitude towards them. And his attitude towards them changed. He ordered the furnace heated seven times hotter than usual. You see, you take your stand for the Lord. Things might get hotter before they get better. Amen? I know I'm preaching to the right crowd now. (laughs) Yeah. And he commanded some of the strongest soldiers in his army, tie up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and throw them into the blazing furnace. Verse 21, So these men wearing their robes, trousers, or turbans, and other clothes were bound and thrown into the blazing furnace. The king's command was so urgent, and the furnace so hot, that the flames of the fire killed the soldiers who took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. You see, the compromiser will always burn. He might not burn in this life, he'll burn in the next. Don't be worried about what someone's getting away with. No one's going to get away with nothing in the end. How you like that English? I'm telling you, no one's going to get away with it. If they don't get to the cross and get the blood of Jesus applied, nobody will get... Don't you, don't you lose sleep over something injustice. God's going to deal with everyone. You let God deal with it. You see what happened here? Them soldiers, they were the strong ones. They were Nebuchadnezzar's right arm. They thought they were something. They're mocking those men. They're binding them, slapping them around a little bit. And this world acts cocky. They think because of their gold and their, their popularity and all their, they think that, you know, they think their education, they think their little idol. Oh no. We said earlier, we believe Jesus Christ is coming back. Every man, woman, and child will give an account for the way they lived and how they responded to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Mm. Hallelujah. Oh, glory. Good to be in church, huh? The king command was so urgent, the furnace so hot, the flames of fire killed the soldier, took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And these three men, firmly tied, firmly bound, fell into the blazing furnace. And then King Nebuchadnezzar leaped to his feet in amazement. He asked his advisors, hey, 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 weren't there three men that we tied up and threw into the fire? Yes, king, three. He said, look, look. I see four of them walking around. They're unbound, they're unharmed. And that fourth one looks like the son of almighty God. Oh, hallelujah to God. Oh, glory. I'm going to borrow something from Brother Roberts. I believe that when they stood their ground and said, we may burn, but we won't bow. I believe right then and there a thrill went through heaven. I believe the fourth man rose from the father's right side and said, man, if you see to it that you won't bow, I'll see to it that you can't burn. Church, I want you to know that Jesus entered in and stood by their side. 
and He kept them in it. He took them through it and He'll do the same for you regardless of what the name of your fiery furnace is. Whatever your fiery trial is, Jesus Christ will walk with you through it. He'll give you the grace to navigate through it. He'll keep you from being consumed by it. You can go through it and not be of it. You can go through it and not be controlled and confused and and killed by it because God will walk with you. It's like that divine asbestos He can close you with and bring you through. I want someone to know don't backslide because it's getting hot. Don't give up because the trial's getting real warm. Just keep trusting in the Lord. Keep standing on His Word and keep believing the truth that God will walk with you. God won't fail you. Jesus will never forsake you. That trial will not last forever, but you will. That that lie of the enemy won't last forever, but God will make sure you do. I pray this story and this example of these three men will stir our faith for the challenges that await us in the coming year. Because your faith will be challenged. My faith will be challenged. Uh, Meditating on courage. Courage for our stand for Christ. And it dawned on me. For some, we need to pray, God, give us courage to stand in public. But I'm afraid that some need a courage to stand in private. I've ran across some in my many years of preaching that that were bold in public, but awful compromising in private. They'll argue with the, the heathen in the middle of Walmart. But then when they get home, they're more lukewarm than, you know. I think some need to get some courage to say no in the private place. Others might need courage to say no in the public place. But I think these three men God has put in his book as an example and an encouragement to us. This is what God applauds. This is what God desires. And the same God that was there for them will be there for us if we'll be faithful. May God give us the courage we need to live faithfully in this coming year. Whether it's in the public setting or in the private setting. There might be some here today that need to do some house cleaning. Well, clean your house. Have some moral courage to make your house a holy home. And to make your lifestyle holy unto the Lord in that place. Others might need to ask God, give me some courage. Because I do real well, but at work sometimes I tend to give in. Give me a greater courage and grace to stand firm and stand upright when everyone's bowing low. Let us live unashamed and all out for Jesus. Let us stand for what is right, living out what we believe. Speaking and living the word, whether it's popular or not. If you're here this morning and you're going through a fiery trial, my my prayer for you. If you're here today and you're a faithful one and you're going through a fiery trial, my prayer for you is that you will sense his presence. But he said, I'll never leave you or forsake you. And I pray that you'll sense his presence even in the fire. You see, that's the key. Faith can sense the presence in the fire. Weak faith only senses it after the fire. But strong faith senses it even when you're going through the fire. 
And I pray faithful one, if you're going through something, if you're here today and you're going through a fiery trial, I pray that number one, you will sense the presence of God with you. Standing with you. Holding you. And I'll pray you'll hear his voice speaking to you. The Bible says he has a word that refreshes the weary. He's got a word of comfort and encouragement for you. You can hear his voice even when the flames are hot. If you have an ear to hear, even when you're going through it and you're still farther to go in the race, he'll have a word of comfort. He'll have a word of assurance. If you're here today and you're going through the fire, I pray that you will sense God's presence. Because he is there. And I pray that you'll hear him speak. God knows how to speak to his people. One of the dearest friends I have in the world We're just kids in Bible school. We left everything to follow the call of God. He left scholarships. He left athletic things all over. Left girlfriends. Left the whole thing. And he got there. One of the first days in school. It didn't even start school yet. It was that week before they start. You know, when 17, 18-year-old kids get called to the ministry, they're dangerous. They start reading that Bible, especially that King James. They can't understand half of it. And it is some dangerous. And he got into a group. And they were giving their testimonies. Well, his testimony was, you know, he was, he was born out of wedlock, whatever, when his mother had been backslidden. And some knucklehead that didn't know any better said, Ha! You can't get to heaven! And looked up some archaic scripture from the Old Testament, talked about the bastard can't get to heaven. He left everything his stepfather had thrown him out when he gave up the baseball scholarship to pursue the call of God. He had nowhere to go. And the first thing he meets, doing your best to serve God. You're thrown out of your home. And the one place you think you find sanctuary is some knucklehead they don't know any better. Winds up turning up the heat seven times hotter. He didn't know what to do. I wasn't around back in those days. Probably would have decked the kid. 17, 18, you're not all that sanctified yet. You know what I mean? And so it hurt your buddy. You know what I mean? And that's, uh, that's probably where I was at at the time. And I, I couldn't find him. Where, where buddy? Where'd he go? Where'd he go? I go look him. Couldn't find him. Wasn't that chapel? Wasn't on that, that dinner? As cafeteria? Well, he, he went to the church. Went to the church. Come back with tears in his eye. I said, ah, man, what happened? I heard, I heard, what happened? He says, I went in there. And Jesus spoke to me. He said, man, what did he tell you? He says, don't worry, son. They called me names, too. They called me names, too. I'm trying to tell you, God knows how to speak to his people when you're going through the fire. He's got a word. He's got a word. So I'm going to pray if you're in the fire, you're going to sense his presence. You're going to hear him. He's got a word that comforts us. Amen. And I'm going to pray that God will renew your strength. As you walk through, because the Bible says, they that wait upon the Lord. So keep walking and keep trusting. God is going to bring you through. I'm going to pray the final prayer. We're going to sing the final song. And we're going to open the altar. If you're here today and you're finding yourself bowing. And you need to make a fresh commitment of courage and devotion to the Lord. Please make one before you leave. If God's dealt with you and there's certain things you need to clean up and make right at home, go do it. Let this be a year of a fresh commitment publicly and privately. Let this be a year where this story really encourages us and how to live faithful in a very trying world in a trying time. 
And I pray that if you're a faithful one and you just need some strength and a touch from the Lord, come on down, we'll pray with you. But let God speak to you. And let God assure you of his presence. Amen. Stand with me, please. Stand with me, please. Hallelujah. And if you need a touch from God, he's here today to touch you. Heal your body. He'll comfort your heart. He'll give grace to your soul. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Father, we thank you for this encouraging example. Help us, each one of us, to respond likewise when our faith is challenged. Help us to respond likewise when our commitment to the gospel and our devotion to Christ is challenged and tempted and tried. Father, I pray that you would touch people this morning, that you would talk to people. Father, in Jesus' name, talk to your people, touch your people. You know every one of us. You know where we stand, you know what we're facing. But you're such a great and faithful God. You're such a compassionate and powerful God. Help your people to sense your nearness and sense your presence. And let them hear your voice speak. That in season word, you know just what we need to hear. Father, give us new strength. Renew our strength. That even in that midnight hour, we can sing. Even when the heat is on, we can keep walking. Father, for those that are going through a fiery trial, let them hear your voice. Let them sense your presence. Let them receive a renewing of their strength. In Jesus' name, amen. If you need prayer, come. Let's worship the Lord. Let's commit this year to God. Let's make a fresh commitment.